Welcome to the Six Figure Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Reeves, and my purpose is to help women grow their online businesses, influence, and income with ease. If you're ready to drop the excuses and start showing up as the boss you know you're meant to be, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Hi, friend. You are about to listen in on a chat I just had with Allie. Grant. If you're not sure who that is, Allie is the founder of Be Social, which is a modern marketing agency located in LA and considered one of the fastest growing companies on the Inc.'s 5,000 list. What's fascinating to me about Allie is that she single-handedly started her massively successful business at the age of 23 eight years ago, and since then has gone from solopreneur to the leader of a company with now 25 plus employees generating millions of dollars in revenue each year. And as you can imagine, she has seen and done everything in terms of growing and scaling a business, especially when it comes to leading her team. And that's the area I wanted to dive in with her specifically today, because not only am I actively growing my own team, but I know a lot of you are too, or plan to, either in your own business or in your direct sales businesses. And Allie has so much to share on the topic of growing and nurturing a team, especially if your team is made up of millennials, which hello, that's probably most of us. She gets really candid on what she's done wrong and what she wishes she had done differently and what she's currently doing now, which obviously is working. I personally walked away from this interview fired up to go and implement her wisdom toward my own business, and I know that you are going to feel the same. By the way, at the end of this interview, I was about to ask Allie where you can find her on social media, but I accidentally hit the stop recording button like a true professional. So I'm just going to add that in right now. If you would like to learn more about Allie, definitely go give her a follow at at Allie Grant, A-L-I-G-R-A-N-T on Instagram and give her company a follow as well. And that is be social at B social group. That's B B as in boy E social group. That's on Instagram. And then their website is besocialgroup.com. Enjoy. Okay, six figure influencer fam. I am on a call with Miss Allie Grant, the founder of Be Social. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited to chat with you. I came across you not too long ago, and um, I think I came across an article about you. Um, I honestly can't even remember who wrote it, but yeah, I was just really impressed because I learned about how you started your business in 2012, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And, um, and just how you built like this massive business around influencers and brands, mm-hmm. and you're, you're freaking, you're slang. So the fact that I get oh. to interview you today is, is a real treat for me and I'm really excited about it. So why don't we start off with, you know, give everybody, um, a breakdown of who you are, what it is that you do. Yeah. 
Awesome. Um, so I'm Allie Grant. Um, I own a company called Be Social. Um, we're headquartered in downtown Los Angeles. Um, I staff about 25 plus uh, millennials. Um, and basically what we do is kind of twofold. So we have a brand department in which we work with a handful of lifestyle, beauty, fashion brands, and we help them with their influencer marketing. Um, so getting their product in in influencers' hands, creating content, events, all of that. Um, and then we also have a talent management arm where we help represent uh, influencers with a digital footprint um, and help them monetize their platforms. So helping them, you know, create brand partnerships and create their own product lines, really 360. So even into television and creating books and things like that. So. Um, I started the company in 2012. I was really young. I think I was 23, 24. Um, <laughs> didn't have tons of professional experience, um, but really I've kind of been learning by just simply doing. Um, so I'm excited to talk today and hopefully give you guys some of the stuff I've learned across the past few years. Okay, this is not what we were supposed to talk about. Well, it's about you, so I, I want people to know about you, but I'm so intrigued and blown away. Okay, so you started this company eight years ago, so you've been in business for yeah. a long time. You started at yeah. 23. Like, what yeah. the crap? How did you have the, like, where did that bravery come from just to go for it? Like, what did that look like? I don't know. I've like always, ever since I was little, wanted my own business. Like I would always come up with like these funny little ideas and try and sell things. And like, I'd always had the like entrepreneurial spirit. So I think like starting a company at 23 wasn't like super shocking to the people who knew me well. But of course it's like, I really had no professional experience. I had, I did graduate college early. So I had graduated, um, I think I was 20. Um, so I did have like a couple of years of experience, um, just working in different like PR and social media agencies. Um, and I, I was working at a social agency and things were kind of shifting within that company. And there was kind of an opportunity to just go on my own. Um, and I think doing that at such a young age has its benefits and that you don't have a lot to think about, right? Like I didn't own a home. I didn't have a family. I didn't have all of those things. And so it just kind of had to fend for myself. Um, and it's so funny. I actually like had to sell some of the things in my closet to be able to afford to create a website that would then attract potential clients. So I, it was extremely bootstrapped. Like I didn't have anyone invest money. I didn't have, you know, anyone, you know, essentially give me money to get this going. So I had to do it all on my own, which is really scary. Um, but I had, you know, I, I kind of made the decision to do it when I had one client that could, you know, kind of pay for my monthly expenses. And then that client led to a bunch of other clients. And three months in, I had my own office. Six months in, I was looking to hire my first employee. So things really just like kind of snowballed from there. But it was a lot of hustling and a lot of like late nights and I really sacrificed my personal life, which at 23, 24, you know, there's a lot of fun things going on. So <laughs> that part was pretty difficult. Wow. Well, I bet you're thankful that you did that now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like ready for all my fun. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Probably at like a better age too, I would think. I, yeah. I would now than, ugh, than going back to 23 and ugh, no. I know. <laughs> Good for you. That's amazing. So you bootstrap the whole thing. You start at 23. Yeah. Did you say within three months you had your own office? Yeah. I mean, I had it kind of, it was like a shared office space situation, but yeah, for the first three months I was just like working out of my house and then it was getting to a point where I needed to meet with clients and like really have like a presence. So, um, I paired up with someone I knew and we shared an office. This was really before like we work the yeah. wing and all of those things were taking off. So there wasn't anything like that. Um, but gosh, I feel like that's like, for you know entrepreneurs now who are starting out like doing a WeWork or something like that has to be such a good solution so many different options right yeah yeah definitely so you expanded really quickly and you grew really quickly which is amazing mm -hmm. now you have this business of you said 25 plus employees mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. And are all of them what you would, and by the way, and I think people will probably know from the title of this, we're obviously we're talking about working with millennials. Um, yeah. But is that who like mainly you hire? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. And I think it's just kind of, I mean, I think that 75% or something like that of the workforce is now millennials. So <laughs> um, it's, it's a big chunk. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're really deeply rooted in, you know, digital marketing and working with influencers. And so, um, that's kind of, you know, the people who are, you know, attracted or have an understanding of kind of how all of this works. Um, but you know, we're even starting to hire Gen Z, you know, some of the people who are just graduating from college right now. So, and that's a whole separate <laughs> separate thing. <laughs> Is it really? Do you think that's different mm -hmm. with both? Um, I think it's a little bit different. I mean, it's like an era that really grew up with, you know, digital being there from the beginning. I think what's different about millennials is like we had at least like maybe like our middle school time or a little bit or elementary where we weren't totally plugged in. So I think it is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, for a business like mine, I having those types of people in my office are super helpful because they know about TikTok and YouTube and like all the intricacies and they grew up with that, you know, from day one. So they definitely have like a lot to bring to the table. Absolutely. And they're totally plugged in like constantly. Is that what you found? Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And just like having like an understanding of like all of these platforms and how they work from, you know, not really a business perspective, but more so just they've been using it since they were children, you know? So it's, it's just a little bit different. So you've grown this team. Mm -hmm. You work with a lot of millennials, a lot of, yeah. Gen Z's is that what we're calling them post millennial yeah 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 after millennial yeah I'm pretty sure it's Gen Z <laughs> yeah so here's why I wanted to talk about this because a lot of the people listening right now they are either in mm -hmm. sales therefore they have their you know teams through that business or they're solopreneurs and they are or not solopreneur entrepreneurs and they're yeah growing their own team or they have plans mm -hmm. to 
and this is something that I'm doing in real time. I just brought on two people myself to start. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited about it, but this is a mm-hmm. whole new world, Allie. Like I've never led yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. I've never, I don't, and, and I know that a lot of people, again, listening are, are going through this and I get a lot of feedback mm-hmm. with the women that I coach, the ones particularly mm-hmm. who have these teams and are trying to kind of create a, a good, a good structure for them. One to, to yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be supported, but also to lead a, a, t- a powerful team of people who are on the mm-hmm. same page and who are going for the same goals. And they're struggling. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the women that I'm working with, they, they might have a few, like what I call like rock stars on their team, but then yeah. everything else is kind of, it's like herding cats. So I mm-hmm. really wanted to talk to you because you do this in, in a different industry, but I think that it's totally applicable. Yeah across industries and get your advice on how can we learn to lead teams of people in, in an effective way, in a way that's working now. Because some of the women that I work mm-hmm. with are a little bit older. They're not considered millennials or maybe mm-hmm. they are millennials, but they were taught by people who weren't. Maybe they were led by people who weren't. And I think yeah. that that's kind of where the the connection gets a little messed up or misaligned because what they were taught or what they're used to doing, isn't really working with the current people that they're trying to lead. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I think, yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting, you know, topic. And I think that for me talking about this, I have failed miserably Mm -hmm. at in the beginning of my business managing a team and scaling and growing a team because I had no experience doing it. Mm -hmm. And it is extremely difficult. Talk to like any entrepreneur. This is probably the hardest part of running a business. You know, someone might be really good at making um, a beauty product and selling the beauty product, but growing the team around them to support this growth of the beauty product can be the hardest and most challenging piece. And I think you get into entrepreneurship because you're really good at something and you want to focus on that and you want to like use those skills. But being a good entrepreneur and scaling and growing a business requires you to be good at managing people that work for you. And it is so hard. It is so hard. Like hearing you say that so many people, you know, bring that up to you as a challenging piece of the business. It's like, I completely relate. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I brought in my first employee, I started scaling and growing the company really quickly. And so I didn't have a lot of time to put in like infrastructure and create a culture and have like HR plans and, you know, think through like, what is our benefits and like, what does it mean to be an employee of these social and what, what are my end goals with this company? And so I was kind of just like, and this is probably what happens with a lot of the people you work with too, or you know, is that like, you just have to hire and you have to scramble and you have to like do this all quickly. And I think that was my biggest lesson is I should have held back, gotten my like structure together and then gone and hired. Um, I think the ter- what is the term is like fire fast, hire slow, um, which is so true. And again, I think this, you know, before you make your first hire, is have this like structure in place and make sure too 
you know, consult a lawyer, make sure you have like all your employment agreements and things together. That was something I had not even known about. Um, you know, make sure you have something like paychecks or ADP put together where you can put them on payroll. There's like so many crazy taxes and intricacies with all of that, that like I didn't know about, um, you know, put consult an HR person, like put a handbook together, um, have some sort of like culture book that like explains like who you are, what your mission is, what the business is doing and what it means to like really work for this company. Um, and then, you know, the hiring piece again, like works so slow on that, get referrals, really meet with this person. If you're a small company, like one or two people, if you get one bad seed in your business, it can be so devastating. Um, and, you know, that person can just kind of ruin it for everyone. So that's something you don't want to happen. Um, and like the hiring process too, I mean, I feel like that's like a whole nother conversation, but you know, yeah. the way you're doing that through like LinkedIn or different platforms and, um, I think too, with like the references piece, like call the references. Like I always used to just email them. And then someone told me like, Hey, like hop on the, hop on a call with me because I feel like you'll get more out of it. And now I'm always, always calling references. I think that's a good piece of advice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I just like <laughs> flirted everything out, but I think we can get like more nitty gritty into it. If you have like more detailed questions, like specifically, but I, I think bottom line, this is such a challenging piece of the business and it is such an important piece um, because it's like the people who work for you are representing you and your business and can either make or break the company. No, hundred percent. And I'm listening and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I, look, it is such an interesting thing because I hear you say that and, and you obviously you went the fast way and and yeah. I'm so interested to hear, and it, I love that you said that you, so you're saying, and let's just clarify, because I'm a little yeah. nervous right now, that you would, <laughs> you had hired more slowly and gotten all of those things in place first before you brought yeah. on your first team member. Yeah. A hundred percent. I know. But it's like, I, I, I know you're saying like, damn, like, oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But I was in that position too. It's like, you are so stressed. You have so much work on your plate. You feel like you're going to explode. You're like, sure, you're great. I'm going to hire you. And I think it happens. And I think most people do it that way. But I just looking back hindsight, like I wish I had gotten my pieces of the puzzle together before I made that hire because I made a lot of mistakes and people didn't work out and it worked against me. And it's like, like I said, like a, a bad hire can really take down your company. And, um, it's, you know, and you, and it's not always the person you hire, right? It's like, it's both of you. It's like a two way street. So yeah. it's like, if you're not providing the tools and the assets for this person to be successful, they're not going to be. And that was my problem. Like I didn't have that, like, infrastructure and protocol in place to make the company be, you know, somewhere people wanted to work and could be successful in. And now that I do have all of those pieces in place, I see people come in and they have, you know, a proper onboarding and, you know, they really feel like they're part of like the family and part of this culture. And they're like working for, you know, some like the greater good of the company. And they're excited about that. And it's like, it's totally night and day. And so we've really been able to like flip our culture um, and like 
split the vibes, I guess is the best way to say it because we put those things in place. And it didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't like a year in like, oh, I need to get these things together. This was like a couple years into my business where it was growing and thriving, but I was having challenges with, you know, staff and like retention and you know, I, and so that's when I really took like a step back. I hired some people to come in and kind of help us and get us into a better place. But um, I mean, I think it's normal to to just do all this stuff so quickly. But I highly suggest kind of putting pieces in place before doing so. Right. I yeah. And I, if any, if I were to listen to anybody, it would be you because you're doing this actively and you've done it successfully. And I love that. And I want to kind of relate this to teams too, because I say this all the time to the women mm -hmm. that I work with, because it's like, they have these huge goals and these huge numbers that they're wanting to hit. And it's all about recruiting and bringing, you know, as many people onto their team as possible. And I tell them all the yeah. time, like, it is the quality of people that we want, not the quantity. And because this yeah. is the thing, like even with, with a team, even in direct sales, like that's not your, your business that you've built. However, mm -hmm. you know, one bad team member could bring down a, you know, the whole vibe of the group um, and mm -hmm. make it easier and, you know, take your time and not work out. So I say all the time, like, yeah. either hiring, okay, we need to take our time, but same thing with team members and recruiting take your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think too, and this, you know, has to work for direct sales as well as like, it's day one. So it's the onboarding process of your new team member is so important. So, you know, I would put together some sort of presentation that explains like, who you are, like, what the company is about your goals, and also go really like deep into like what their role is and, you know, what they're responsible for. Cause I think that was something I had, you know, a big challenge with is people coming in and not really understanding what the expectations are of their role. Um, and I think also, you know, on top of the onboarding piece being so important because like, you know, from day one, they, that sets the tone of, you know, how everything works within your organization. Um, but also the follow up from there and, you know, creating goals with this person, having, you know, a 30 day a 90 day check in having, you know, biannual reviews, like those things are so important. I, in the beginning of my business had no structure like that. We weren't sitting down with our employees and having reviews and like letting them know how they were doing good or bad. And that's such a missed opportunity because those are such good times to, you know, turn someone into a great employee or realize they maybe aren't a good fit or help coach them on certain things. So I highly suggest having some sort of review process in place and really sticking to it. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. This is <laughs> too that I, I talk a lot about structure and you know, I'm doing this in my own business, creating some sort mm -hmm. of structure for my team. And then also I, I help other women build structure around theirs as well and having a time mm -hmm. and place for coming together, touching base, um, training, uh, asking questions instead of it being just like all fly by the seat of your pants. And I think like as serious as you take your business is how serious the results you'll get. Mm -hmm. um, but with that, so I know that you're saying like you, you said that you made a ton of mistakes in the beginning of your business. Yeah. 
with hiring and everything, you wish you had hired a little bit slowly and you had um, mm -hmm. more slowly and had more structure around that. When mm -hmm. it comes to, like, I'm, I'm kind of curious what more of those mistakes were. Like, how was it whenever you were yeah. building that team and trying to <laughs> get them to, to support you in building this business, what was it like? Mm -hmm. You know, as somebody who I'm sure you were learning how to do this and yeah. the process, but like actually leading some somebody, what mistakes did you make with that? And in terms of like millennials and maybe, yeah, yeah. What's some advice around that? I think for me, it was like not laying out like clear expectations of someone's role, and so then I would get you know frustrated because certain things weren't getting done in the way I would have expected, but I wasn't communicating what the expectations were. And so, you know, the employee could never really feel like they were going anywhere or being successful because there was just like this lack of communication. Um, so I think that was a, a big issue. So I, you know, really like defining what this person's title is, their roles and expectations, and then how do they work with the team? Like, what is the dynamic? Who do they report into? Are they reporting directly to me as the founder or do they have a boss in between us? And like, what is that like flow of communication look like? I think in the beginning, as I, as I was growing my team and it was up to like five people, there was no like hierarchy hierarchy in place. And so everyone was reporting into me. And so I wish I had kind of built out more of, you know, like an organizational chart of how people communicate within the organization, even as small as three or, you know, three people, like you need to understand, like, is your coordinator reporting to you as the founder or is there someone in between them? And what does that process look like? Um, I also think too, you know, I, as the founder, and this is like for everyone who's like an entrepreneur, it's like, you will always work harder than everyone on your team. You know, it's like, this is your business. It's your passion. Um, and so I think kind of realizing that, like, I would get frustrated that, you know, people didn't want to stay late and, you know, finish something or, you know, but I think you really have to realize people, especially millennials really want to balance between their personal and professional life and you have to allow for that. And so, you know, in the beginning of my company, we had really strict like start and end times. Like you had to be in at a certain time, take lunch at a certain time. And then as we've grown, I've kind of let go of those things. So we've been so much more flexible because millennial staff, Gen Z staff, they, that's what they, they want is flexibility even more than probably money. Um, they would yeah. rather have, you know, flexible work hours. Um, so we have a pretty flex like start and end time now. Um, as long as people are getting their stuff done, it's, you know, they get to kind of, you know, do their own day, which I think they really, um, really like. We also have shortened Fridays. So Fridays are half days. Um, and so, you know, things like that, I think, are really valuable to employees. And especially if you don't have like working capital to give them a $10,000 raise or a bonus or something like that, you know, maybe you do, you know, half days on Fridays or, you know, create something that is, you know, provides more flexibility in their life. And they actually think they'll value that more than a check. I'm honestly like, I agree with you and especially the balancing. I feel like this is something that has been so high on the value scale for so many different people. And I agree, particularly millennials. 
and wanting that balance, wanting time at home, wanting to cut off, which is interesting yep. in, in our industries and being, you know, our businesses, it's all about being plugged in social media and they, you know, and this is something that I'm working on too, just totally unplugging. So mm -hmm. structure, you know, you started your business with these, a, a pretty strict structure in terms of like when they yep. came in, when they had lunch and now you're yep. more flexible. So that's yeah. interesting. So that you think that that's how people should, more people should be when it comes to leading their own teams and yeah. 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 Cause it's, I, I, it wasn't working how we had it before. I think, you know, I had just, I'd come from an agency that was pretty strict. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing here in my company. Like that's just must be how, you know, companies are run. Um, and so it wasn't, it wasn't working for us. And I think also, especially the type of business that we're in, and this relates to like a lot of different industries. It's like, we're on 24 seven, right? Like we have to be posting to our Instagram, taking conference calls from our car. Like everything is, you know, a lot of the employees are working all the time and like different hours of the day. And so I think realizing that and having something that's more loose in terms of like when they actually have to be in the office, they'll, they'll really value. Um, but I, and also like taking a step back and like, what would you want if you worked for your own company? Mm -hmm. And so I always do that. So like when we were putting together our holiday vacation packages for 2019, I did that. I was like, originally I was like, Oh yeah, we'll just have a few days off here, a few days off there. And then I was thinking, I was like, no, I mean the way Christmas and new year's sits this week, like we should have those two weeks off. That's what I would want. Like you're super burnt out at the end of the year. Like you deserve some time off so you can come in in January and like really kick butt. So I think that's a good way to look at it. It's like, okay, what if I worked for myself, <laughs> what are the things that I would want from this company and writing those down and trying to implement them. I'm ready to come work for you. <laughs> no, no, no. And like, that's the thing too. I'm like, I'm still learning all the time. I think I just, I'm realizing what is important to, you know, people who work for you. And it's not what you necessarily think, you know, it's obviously salaries and money are how people survive, but you know, this, they come here every day, every day, Monday through Friday, like they spend more time at work than they do at home. And so, you know, they, it's so important that we create a place that feels comfortable and warm and just, you know, somewhere you want to come each day and make it not feel like work. Mm -hmm. And so, but that's not easy. And obviously within different industries, I think, you know, some things are appropriate and some are not, but you know, luckily, I'm sure a lot of, you know, the people that listen are, you know, in beauty and lifestyle and digital and, you know, these fun industries. Um, so I think you know, it's also really competitive too. like think about all the people who probably would love to have some of the employees that you have. And you have to think about that, too. And, you know, I've had really great people leave our company to work somewhere else. Um, really? Better, you know. Yeah, better perks, better packages, and you know whatever that might be. I think, and it's, I think at the end of the day, it's never usually about oh, it's a higher salary. Um, you know, it's usually about 
just a better culture, a better, you know, overall benefit package. So, and that's the thing too, is I didn't have, I wasn't providing benefits initially when I started my company because I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is the case for many people. Um, but there are other solutions, you know, you can really look into that. Um, but I think providing, you know, medical benefits, health benefits, things like that are really important. And so kind of looking into that initially, um, is an important piece to that. And I think I didn't realize that. And also having structure around like vacation policies and packages and maternity leave and, you know, all of those things that make a company a good place to work and making sure it's not just the minimums, right? Like making sure it's robust. And I know as an entrepreneur, that's scary because it's, that technically is money lost. But at the end of the day, losing an employee, having to rehire, doing all of that is so costly. And if you treat your employees well, make them feel valued and like create a place that, you know, has good benefits and vacation and all the things they need to live like a happy life, they're going to do good work for you. And I think finally realizing that in my company has been, you know, so valuable and has allowed the team to grow and for our employees to be happy. It's an investment and it's an abundance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can only imagine how freaky that must be to look at as, as somebody who is growing a business and trying to decide what you do offer and how expensive each person is. it, It can be terrifying. Um, yep businesses on the line. So yeah, I, I think that that's great advice. How do you communicate with your team, like to the people that, um, that report to you? How do you, re- how do you communicate with them? Yeah. Um, so we have a structure in place where, um, so I just have actually, I guess, two people that report into me right now. So our president and then um, our VP of business development. And so we set time to meet each week. I think a lot can get lost in translation, like over email and texting and Slack or whatever it might be. And so um, really having like face-to-face time weekly is super important. Um, So, and we just set agendas prior to meeting on things that we want to talk about. And then we go through that for like an hour, um, kind of brainstorm and, you know, hit each of those points. Um, and before that, I think, you know, I, there was just like so much email communication and I, I just, I feel like that gets really overwhelming. And like I said, like things get translated improperly. Um, so I'm a really big believer in face-to-face time. What about it? What if somebody has, um, like, have you found, I guess I'm asking more so for, for people who have teams and team members all over the place, have you found that mm-hmm. millennials, they maybe want, they prefer to text over email or, you know, there's, yeah. okay. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I, I, I guess like I'm speaking to like more so like I have a team in an office, but yeah, if you, you know, if your team is, you know, scattered across the U S or wherever it might be. Um, I mean, I think texting communication for millennials is, probably our favorite. Um, I, but I do see the value in picking up the phone. I think FaceTime is a good option too. Um, Cause you can really see, you know, the person's expressions and things like that. Like, I feel like even talking on the phone with someone, you're like, 
are you okay? Like, are you happy? Or I can't really like read you. Um, so I think doing something like a FaceTime call with your employees if they're across the country could be a good idea. Um, and then like, you know, check in via text and things like that. Um, I think, you know, being available to your employees, extremely important. Um, cause you have to realize, you know, obviously you're their authority and their boss, but you know, that's who they like rely on. Um, you're their mentor essentially. So I think always, you know, being available to them is really important. Yeah, that's, I'm all about zoom. I'm about face to face too. And I try whenever I'm helping the girls I'm working with, like create this structure, mm -hmm. it's always around something that's face to face. And yeah. And also I'm trying to create a balance for the leader themselves too. I, I've found that because usually the, or not usually, but a lot of times the people that are on their teams are younger and they're all about text communication and just like non mm -hmm. communication sometimes too. And creating, yeah. it's like helping and saying, helping the women that I'm working with create those boundaries and saying, Hey, it's okay. You don't have to be available via text that have a structure around like, if, if you guys don't live in the same city, if you can't be face to face, hop on a FaceTime, hop on a zoom call. I, I agree with you. Like being face to face is, I mean, it's the same thing as being in person. It, it can't be. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think too. So for most of the people who have the direct sales business, are these employees or independent contractors or kind of the mix of everything? Yeah, they, they have teams that they that they've recruited to help sell the same product. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it's like, I, I guess, kind of a, it's not them that's hiring them. It's it's under the, the company that they work for. So I guess independent. Mm -hmm. contractors, yeah, but they're growing yeah. these teams that can go. I mean, I, I have women who have, I mean, hundreds of direct underneath wow that's cool um, yeah that's really that cool like managing and trying to herd and, and lead and mm -hmm. work toward one goal and it can be really complicated when you're dealing with so many different personalities and mm -hmm. you know so it's it's just interesting trying yeah to and i think with something like that when there's that many direct reports all across the u.s and not in one office space like that is extremely challenging so there needs to be some sort of like way to communicate in a whole, right? Like whether that's text or using something like Slack or, you know, maybe even like sending out like a monthly newsletter with like all the updates or, yeah. you know, if this person can make sure that their like personal Instagram is like updated with all like the news and things that people would need to see. Um, Cause it sounds like you would have to like really communicate and blast it out to a lot of people right. in a way yeah. that was, yeah, yeah, that's, that's Fruit. difficult. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's super, super interesting. So what would you say, have you ever had, I'm sure you have, but mm -hmm. an employee that obviously is not a fit team member who's not a fit. How did you navigate yeah. that? Is that, I'm sure you've experienced that. Yeah, no, I plenty of times and I will in the future again. And I think the thing is, if you feel like it's not a fit, it, they probably also think it's not a fit. 
So I've, you know, I don't think it's going to be a shock to them that if you sit them down and talk to them about it. Um, and that's really what, you know, I've done. I mean, obviously there's like legal things that need to be done. Like you need to professionally write them up and have communication on like, what are the things that they need to do better to ensure their employment here? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just having a candid conversation about the challenges that, you know, you're having and allowing them to speak through theirs. Um, and coming up with a plan of attack that allows them to, you know, stay within the organization. But I think once you have that conversation with someone, I think there's some statistic that's like 50% of the time, they're probably going to quit within like a couple of days after having that kind of like hard heart to heart conversation. Um, Because I think too, it kind of like brings it, they were probably feeling this, it brings it to the surface and they kind of like, you know, take that time to go home. And then the next day they're like, you know, you know, I'm not a fit here and I need to, you know, go elsewhere. And I think too, realizing it's when you have this your first time, when you have someone that doesn't work for you for your first time, it is so disappointing and so frustrating and you feel like such a failure. Um, So I think whenever this does, know that you're not obviously, and this happens all the time. And sometimes people just won't be a, be a fit no matter what you do. Um, But I think the biggest thing is learning from, you know, that, that issue or that mistake and like what happened and how you won't do that the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's super important and you can get a lot of good information from like an exit interview with someone. So mm-hmm. if you're ending like, you know, an employment agreement with someone, like sit them down and ask them questions candidly. I mean, they don't have much to lose since they're leaving. So hopefully they'll be honest with you um, and take that information and, you know, try to be better from it. Take accountability. Wow, I love that. That's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because they'd probably be honest at that point. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and, hope, and it's probably not all that person. So I think it's important to take the responsibility on your end. Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. It's like really is a two way street. Like as an employer, you you know, you have to put the pieces in place for the, the person to be successful. So you've given so much advice for my leaders, which oh, good, <laughs> so helpful. Thank you. And I know we have to wrap up soon, but yeah. I wanted to kind of do like a hard left, or maybe not so hard because it's it's pretty much who we're talking to right now and what you who you work <laughs> with. But what would be your advice for influencers? Because I know that that's, yeah. that's what you're all about. That's your thing. That's your business and brand. That's yeah. All- I help too. And what, well, I help mm-hmm. people kind of step into their own role as an influencer. So what would your advice be for the influencers, influencers that are listening right now? Yeah. That are working with employees or just kind of like generally, generally. Yeah. Um, oh man, loaded question. Um, I think I know, sorry. You know, the whole landscape of influencer marketing is changing all the time. So I think, you know, be ready to adapt, be ready to explore and do new things and really make sure you have something unique that you're creating and like a strong point of view. Because I think as this industry gets more and more saturated, it's going to weed people out that aren't providing value. Mm. Um, So I think that's kind of the most important piece to it. And also, you know, like diversifying what you do, like don't just stay on Instagram, make sure you have a website or do a newsletter or get on TikTok if that's like for you, like 
you know, be on different platforms, explore what that means, um, create different types of content. Um, and like through all of them provide value because I think people will, yeah, just kind of be weeded out, lose following. And, you know, the point obviously of being an influencer, or I think the main goal of many influencers is monetizing those channels. And so you're not having strong engagement and continuously growing, that's all going to go away. Um, but I mean, I, I think there's also, there's so much room for new people who want to be an influencer. I definitely don't think it's like, no, don't do it. There's too many people doing it. No way. Like some of my, you know, favorite people to follow just, you know, started doing this a year or two ago. So there's definitely room for more people. I think just like anything, you just have to work really hard, be unique and have a different point of view and have fun with it too, though. It is fun. (laughs) Right. Have fun with it and serve. That's, I mean, I, that's what I've talked about constantly. Like this isn't, I get it. You want to monetize. I think that's beautiful and you totally can. But like you have to come from a place of service first. Like, what are you giving people? It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, people are watching me. I'm not getting good engagement. I'm like, girl, you're not sharing anything. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad that 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 came out of your mouth and not mine for once. (laughs) (laughs) That's I've never said it like that. Like, serve. I really like that. I think I'm gonna steal that from you. Yeah. Well, I talk about it all the time, but yeah, it's, I love that. Constantly preaching that. So you mentioned TikTok, and I'm interested. So you've, you work with all kinds of platforms and, um, I love that you said, you know, focus on more than one thing instead of just Instagram. And I back that hundred percent as well. Um, so is TikTok where everybody's headed? What's like the next best thing? Oh man. Yeah. I think TikTok is blowing up and like the engagement and the interaction on that platform is just wild. And it's so interesting because, you know, it's all across the board in terms of like the videos and like what views they're getting. Like, you know, I have a client that has 80 million views on one video and then 2000 on the other. So it's like the way their algorithm works. It's so interesting, but yeah, I think definitely if I mean, it's a unique platform in that it's like mostly like humor, comedy, like funny little skits, a lot of dancing. Um, But I think there's other things that could be made, you know, to fit TikTok too, like even like makeup tutorials or I don't know, I think styling or something like that. So I think it's a fun platform and definitely try it out. Um, but it's not for everyone, but I do see a lot of people utilizing it. Um, and it's probably the fastest growing right now. Um, and then after that, I would say, you know, Instagram stories, IGTV kind of playing around with video a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's a question for you because I get a lot of pushback on this. I obviously all about video stories. Obviously that's where everybody's at right now, but I'm also mm-hmm. pushing people to make more IGTVs because I think mm-hmm. first of all, they're so easily repurposed, right? You can put them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I see the value in like creating a catalog and a library of content for people to binge and just to showcase like, Hey, I show up for my people. I create really good value. So do you, how do you feel about IGTVs? Yeah, I really like it. And I also like that, like the production value of it doesn't have to be that high. Like you can literally film this, you know, and just post it where I feel like YouTube, there's more of this pressure to make it feel more like professional. 
Um, so no, I love IGTV and I also love like you can do the post preview in your feed. You can take that off. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a really, you know, a good place to put like long form video content. Um, and then I obviously always tell people to do stories daily. I think the more you're doing stories, the more Instagram is like putting your feed and, or putting your content in people's feed. And so just engaging with the platform, if that's kind of the career path you want to do, you have to do it a lot. <laughs> right. Show up consistently. Yep. Show up. Yes. Thank you, Allie, so much. This has been Thank enlightening. You. It's been fascinating to talk to you. I mean, what you've done is incredible. And especially at such a young age, I mean, I just, I'm, I don't know. I, I look up to you. I think that you're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love what you're doing. And thank you so much for pouring in to my people today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. Yay. Hey friend. Thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many women as possible. And if this episode helped you in any way, you can directly impact my efforts by simply sharing a screenshot of this to your social media or team. Also, if you're looking for additional support, Feel free to find me on Instagram at Allie I. Reeves and or join the free Six Figure Influencer Facebook group.